This is the daily lectionary comments for the third Sunday after Easter, comma. We're gonna look at Exodus chapter 32, beginning at verse 15, going to verse 35, the follow-up of the golden calf incident after Moses comes down from the mountain. And then we're gonna look at Luke chapter six, verse 39 to 49, which completes the so-called sermon on the plain, which is Luke's um, sort of parallel to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. Reading from Exodus 32, beginning at verse 15, continues the story that we left off yesterday. Moses and God are essentially discussing among themselves how the people have gone astray and made these golden calves. Now what happens is Moses actually comes down the mountain and sees for himself. He is very, very angry. Note that at the beginning of this lesson, there's um, a, a lot of attention is paid to the, the tablets of the testimony, how they're, they're, they are the very work of God. It's very solemn. These are very holy and special things. God himself made these tablets. And then just a little further, few verses down, we have Moses in fury, throwing these tablets down, smashing them at the foot of, of the mountain. And of course, this is kind of horrifying, but it also very aptly uh, demonstrates or shows what has actually happened here. These people have not even received the tablets yet. I mean, the, the, the ink is still wet on the page, so to speak, and they have already broken the, perhaps the most solemn and most important part. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no graven image. I mean, already they have absolutely destroyed this covenant. But we already know that God has relented and we already know that these people are not going to be destroyed because God is merciful, not because they don't deserve to be destroyed, but because God is merciful. So Moses takes the golden calves, grinds them into powder, pours it into water, makes the people drink of it. I mean, you talk about sort of having your mouth washed out with soap. I mean, that's kind of like what we have here. Uh, Moses is very, very angry. He turns to Aaron, who is his brother, the high priest. And he essentially says to him, what did these people do to you to cause you to do this, to allow this? What is the matter with you? And of course, Aaron's response is comical. You know, they didn't know what happened to you. I, I, I gathered up all the, the gold and the earrings and so forth. I, I put it all in, in, the, in the fire and look what came out. Of course, this is childish and, and silly, and you half expect the ground to open up and Aaron to disappear right then and there. But he didn't. Again, God is merciful, but he's not soft. We see now that uh, the Levites come forward and demonstrate now in a very bloody way what allegiance and faith to God means. And they start putting to the sword, according to God's own command, they start putting to the sword, even those who are their, their own relatives, who are, so, so we might say, running amok still. So the people are still kind of out of control. Um, Moses is down and pitching a fit, but many of the people don't even see this yet. The Levites start to gain control by putting people to death. The Levites are examples of the justice of God and what zeal for God looks like. It doesn't mean that if you're zealous for God, you go and kill people, but you do if God tells you to. Now, also the people who were put to the sword, 
These demonstrate also the justice of God, as well as those who died by the plague shortly after this. Now, here's something that you need to bear in mind. God is, uh, he owns our lives. I mean, we're all going to die. And, and we die when and where and how God says. So the fact that these people died, that, that's, it doesn't necessarily mean they perished forever. What it means is that they were examples. They were made to be examples for the people who are still alive. They were made to be examples of the consequences of this kind of sin. Whether they perished eternally or not, we can't say because we don't know, you know, which of them had faith or which didn't and whatnot. We know, however, that God made an example of, of them and God can make an example of us too. Just because God makes an example of you or I and, and basically demonstrates his wrath on us, you know, shame on us if, if, we, if we put ourselves in that position. But that doesn't mean that we perished. It does mean that, that uh, we put ourselves in the unenviable position that God is going to use us as an exhibit of what not to be and what not to do. And so we have here the great wrath of God, uh, which, uh, which, you know, we Christians may rely upon Christ's forgiveness, but we should not presume upon God as though we can sin and do whatever we want. And he simply wouldn't dare, you know, harm us or even cause us to die. That's just not true. And we can quite clearly see here, he may have forgiven these people. He may have relented, but there was a price to be paid for their grievous sin. And we see what it was. The reading from Luke chapter six, beginning at verse 39, going to 49, concludes the Sermon on the Plain and continues to discuss the principles of the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is going to take up the idea here of judging, judging one another. And this is something that you hear this quoted all the time, you know, do not judge. Jesus says, do not judge and that sort of thing. And of course, he does say, judge not lest you be judged. That's true. But if you, if you read this passage, there's a couple of things that are very, very clear. Number one is, yes, he says, don't judge. And then he explains, why would you try to get the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a log in your own eye? He goes on to say, you hypocrite, first get the log out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to get the speck out of your brother's eye. Well, okay, so what Jesus is saying is that there is a time, any place, any way to judge. But the way you judge your neighbor who has a speck in his eye is as one who has had a log in your own eye. In other words, the hypocritical judge, judging of one another is to think that somehow or another we are better than the others because we don't do what they do. But Jesus is saying, look, you know, we look first to our own sins. We've all had to be forgiven from our own sins. And if you're going to try to help another with their sins, make sure that you are properly repentant and aware of your own sinfulness. He also goes on to talk about trees being known by their fruit. Well, if this isn't uh, what, what we often mean by judging, judging whether the fruit is good or bad, I don't know what else it would mean. So, well, yes, Jesus does say, don't judge. Uh, he also proceeds to tell us how to judge and what it is that we're judging. We are judging the fruit and we are judging as fellow sinners. So when he says, do not judge, he does not mean 
as an absolute thing. You're simply not going to judge the behavior of other people. He doesn't mean that, but he does mean that there is a proper way, a loving way, a constructive way to judge. And then there is a, a, uh, a hypocritical way. And that's what we're to avoid. Everybody knows this passage. Everybody doesn't know anything else about the Bible is liable to quote this passage. They have no idea what Jesus says after that. They have no idea what he really means by that. But by golly, they know this passage. Do not judge. And they'll throw that in your face right away. If they think you're being judgmental. But actually, Jesus means something very different.